Hello and welcome to another edition of the Shameless Picture Show podcast. I am your host, Michael Viers, and I am live in the studio apartment. I also wish I could take credit for that joke. Unfortunately, I stole it from Colt Cabana and his podcast, The Art of Wrestling. But I've always wanted to use it. But uh, joke's on him because I am neither in a studio apartment or alive. Pre-recorded. All right. Um, Those of you who have listened to our previous four episodes, this being our fifth, will notice that there is a certain angelic voice missing from uh, the conversation. Uh, My dear co-host Nick Richards couldn't be here on this episode today. It's just some technical difficulties. We, uh, last week, recorded an episode for uh, our, our fifth episode, our official fifth episode, for uh, his favorite, one of his favorite movies, The Phantom Tollbooth. Um, and it was a great conversation. I thought it was a good talk. It was one I was a little worried about, uh, about not having enough information to be able to talk about because I had a hard time finding stuff about it. Regardless, none of that's important because the podcast doesn't exist anymore. Uh, I all of my audio recorded fine. He might, he had a little hiccup when he was recording his, and it all disappeared. Uh, unfortunately, uh, when I tried to edit the episode together, his was nothing but static. And as interesting as I think it could be, listening to us talk, uh, listening to just my side of the conversation, I don't think it would make for a very good episode. So we agreed that we're going to re- reschedule the episode. Sorry, that was my cat. Uh, we're going to reschedule the episode. Uh, we're going to re-record it. Hopefully, uh, magic will strike twice. And um, yeah, we're going to give it a shot. But I felt bad. I felt bad that there was nothing. Uh, for this week, and it makes it difficult already because we are a bi-weekly podcast. Um, Nick lives in Maryland. I live in Wisconsin. It's hard to get this together, make sure we both watched a movie, but we want to podcast. The urge is there. Um, just, you know, we've got busy schedules. He's got two kids and a new house and a fancy job. I've got one wife and two animals, uh, so that counts. Plus, you know, we're both uh, artists, filmmakers, and just trying to get shit done. So we agreed on bi-weekly, but the problem is, if I don't record something, then you got to wait two weeks. Um, and that's just not cool. But, um, so yeah, I thought I'd come on and just talk a little bit uh, about what? I don't know. I'd like to make this eventually a just a little thing that I do occasionally as a little snippet episode. It could last five minutes, it could last 15 minutes, it could last a half hour. I don't, I don't know. I've never tried to do podcasts by myself. I've never just talked by myself. Like, I've talked to myself quite a bit. But that's a different story. But anyways, I thought uh would be cool if I... You know, occasionally, I'm not going to do this today, but occasionally would, like, spin records that I really dig. Uh, because I've got a cool little setup where I can play the record directly to the computer and you can hear it and whatnot. I might wait till I get a mixing board to do that officially. Uh, or talk about, because I buy a lot of DVDs, I buy a lot of Blu-rays, I love boutique labels. Um, if I buy anything from them, just talk about it. Talk about the film, talk about their restoration, talk about whatever features they put on it, which would be cool. Um... But today's episode is going to be more about, well, all about movies. Um, You know, Nick's got a busy life. Uh, I've seen way more movies this year than he has, and that's not a bad thing. He's just got a lot to do. Uh, But any any film nerd at some point in their life has made a top ten list, a top ten 
of their favorite movies of the year. Or, you know, favorite discoveries, as uh, as Brian Sauer does on his Rupert, Pump- Rupert Pumpkin uh, website, which hopefully soon my list will be published. We'll see. Um, he's a busy dude. He gets a lot of uh, gets a lot of uh, people submitting to him. So if mine gets swept under the rug, it's whatever. I'll post it on my own website. And normally I write this as an article, but I I, I procrastinate so bad on it, and no one ever reads it. So I thought, why don't I talk about some of my favorite movies of 2016? On my podcast, a podcast that no one listens to as well. Well, okay, there's a couple people. Emlyn, I know you're listening. Thank you for being cool and actually reaching out to me and telling me how much you like the show and for any uh, criticism, comments you gave us. Um, My list is... I really hate making numerical lists because something that I saw earlier in the year might not strike me the way that something I recently just saw. So it feels weird adding a, like, a numbered value to it. So I have put mine by release date, and um, we I'm going to talk about a couple of them. Probably not going to go too in-depth because I feel like this would be definitely a lot easier with uh, with someone else around. Sorry about that. I was rearranging my list. Um, so yeah, let's let's get to it. First movie on the list, and it, if I had to rank rank these movies, this would definitely be within my top five, if not in my top three. Um, it is Jeremy Solner's film, The Green Room. Yes, The Green Room. I fucking loved this movie. It was one of the most tense experiences I had in a theater which is rare for me because I feel like I handle my shit pretty good. It's very rare that I'm like, oh, my God, and freaking out because uh, something I'm watching. Um, but this time I was like, Ooh, I was biting my nails. I was squeezing my wife's hand. I was a fucking nervous wreck. And it's cool because it's tense. It's bloody. It's punk. It's very, It's a very punk movie. Uh, you can't see me, but I'm like throwing up fucking set of devil horns which isn't really a punk thing that's more metal but whatever fuck off uh i loved this movie i've recommended this movie to so many people uh i know a lot of people who are like i don't really dig indie films because they don't understand them or they don't they just haven't seen the right ones i understand is the wrong word but you know they watch a lot of mainstream stuff and i was like you need to check out this film if you think horror movies are dumb nowadays fucking check out the green room and it was awesome um Next is a movie called De Palma, which was directed by Noah Baumbach and Jake Paltrow. Very simply, it's 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 Brian De Palma talking for an hour and a half, maybe two hours, about his film career and all the movies he's made. But Brian De Palma is one of my he's one of my idols. I love this man. I may not love everything he's done, but I love him. And he's just unabashedly talking about his own stuff. He's not. It's not like he's not like he you know spilling dirt or anything on anyone but he's just being very honest about himself and his work and uh they're showing clips from it and the movies look fantastic and it really gives you a new perspective on on this filmmaker that is he's always been around but i feel like uh other than maybe pauline kale and a couple other critics he hasn't gotten the love i feel like he deserves but i think this movie might turn people back on to him and uh, force them to go back and watch some of these fucking awesome movies. So it's called De Palma. It's pretty easy to remember. I recommend it. Um, oh, this one's the, this one. This one is going to uh, piss a lot of people off. But I don't care 
Kevin Smith's yoga hosers. I loved yoga hosers. Yes, I've got problems with it. There's some bad CGI and the story is fucking bonkers, but it's a movie. I can suspend my disbelief. I can I can believe in a bonkers movie. Why it works, though, is because it had some of the spirit that I liked about Clerks. I thing I liked about his first film, Clerks, was I liked Randall. I liked Dante. I liked hearing them talk about Star Wars. I liked hearing them just just talk and converse and he got a real, he got two really good performances out of his daughter uh harley uh harley quinn smith and um johnny depp's daughter could not think of her name for a second lily rose depp they felt real uh i could have just watched a i think they're called the colleens i could have watched a movie just about those two for 90 minutes without any of the weirdness that came later i it i don't know there was a lot, there was chemistry. I dug it. Um, it was some of the most fun that I had in the theater. We went to a really cool uh, indie theater that plays a couple. You know, they plays mainstream films to get some money, but like they'll play smaller indie films, which is cool. Uh, it's kind of a revival house, but they played it. It was a small crowd. I don't think the crowd dug it, but I loved it. I had a great time. Um, another movie that didn't get quite the love that I thought it would was uh the Cohen brothers newest film Hail Caesar which I view as a spiritual success well, I mean not a spiritual success let's say a a sister or brother film to another one of my favorites so there's Barton Fink uh, it's all about it's it's all about the the film industry and uh the film industry in the 1950s specifically and um, about the in and outs of what the, how the Coen brothers viewed the studio system and all the craziness that happened. Some of it, from what I've heard, is based on true story or at least based on, based on the legends of Hollywood. Um, but uh, it stars Josh Brolin as, a, I think, a fantastic character who um, is the interweavings of this studio he uh, he's a fixer who works for a studio. A fixer was a person that fixed all the problems. He helped the stars. He made sure the movies came out on time, and came out to you know some sort of success so they make money. And it's about him, uh, him trying to find a star that mysteriously disappears. He is kidnapped, played by George Clooney, and uh, he needs to get him back so they that way they can finish their their biggest picture probably of all time at that point hail caesar which is you know kind of an ode to the those classic big sweeping hollywood hollywood epics like cleopatra and whatnot um it's weird i think it's hysterically funny um if you like the coen brothers comedy sensibilities you might really dig it because I've met some people who really like the Coen brothers when they're serious, but don't like them so much when they're being funny. Uh, I still say check this film out. Uh, I might need to start going through a few of these a little quicker. Uh, Zootopia made the list. I think it's a film that everyone should see because it's more... It, it's it's extremely relevant to our to the world we live in today and one day when i have my own kids i'm going to show this movie to them to teach them not to be so shitty to other people and it's weird that i have to say that it's weird that i have to like show movie to teach that but i feel like it's important if i if i was still a teacher i used to teach for about five years granted those after school classes but i had to make lesson plans i had to spend weekends going to love and logic training and learning how to peer mediate and so on and so forth i was a teacher 
essentially. Uh, I taught the class I taught the most often was film appreciation, the third, fourth, and fifth grade. This is a movie I'd show to them because this is a movie all kids need to see. Hell, all adults should see Zootopia. Uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane. I'm not going to touch on this film too much because um, I feel like it's going to be done for me. Everyone's going to talk about Ten Cloverfield Lane. This would also probably be my top five, if not top three. It is one of the best movies of the year. John Goodman gives a powerhouse performance. Um, it's tense. It's crazy. It's... There's, it's. I don't like saying perfect yes, movie very often, but this is as close as you're going to get to a perfect movie this year. See 10 Cloverfield Lane. Even better, go in with no expectations. Don't read anything about the movie. Don't. You don't even have to see the first Cloverfield. Fuck the first Cloverfield. Go in knowing nothing. And I think you'll love it. My, uh, my wife didn't like the first Cloverfield, nor did she really remember anything about it. And, uh, she loved this movie as much as I did. So, yeah. Um, this is also a top fiver. Funny, I, I didn't. I said I didn't want to put numbers on this, but uh, I seem to be doing so quickly. Uh, the more I go on, um, everybody wants some, which is spiritual successor to Richard Linklater's Days of Confused, directed by Richard Linklater. Um, I th- think it's a, it's a strange movie because some people love it, some people hate it. I think it's fantastic. I've watched this movie two or three times now, and I fall under its charm. It, there's a spell that this movie casts over me. Nothing really happens. It's just kind of a slice-of-life movie, but if you know Richard Linklater's style, I feel like you kind of come in expecting that. Um, it's just about uh, the day before the first day of college. This group of baseball players, they move into their college house. Most of them know each other. Uh, the weed character does not. I cannot think of his name at the moment. He moves into his house, and he just starts to pick up the ins and out of this college life. So it's like a day or two before the first day of college, and it's about leading up until their very first class. It's a love story. It's a comedy. It's a movie just about life. I know that's cliche, but it is. I love it. Uh, Everybody Wants Some is amazing. I want some. I saw this in a theater. Great. Another very tense horror film, uh, Don't Breathe, directed by Fede Alvarez, who uh, directed the Evil Dead remake, the very controversial Evil Dead remake that I loved. Some fans didn't. I just don't think they got it. Um, Fede Alvarez, uh, he is a fucking powerhouse right now for horror films. He makes very tense, very visceral films. And while I've got some problems with this film, nothing huge, but like... uh, some logic problems that are is a little hard for me to suspend my disbelief on. I think it's a fantastic film. It was one of the most fun times I had in the theater this year. Uh, and the fact that I got to see two extremely ten, three extremely tense films this year in Don't Breathe, The Green Room, and 10 Cloverfield Lane. Um, horror fucking kicked ass this year. Uh, a Netflix film that I feel like a lot of you might have seen already called Hush. Hush was great. It's It's very reminiscent of... It's very much in the style of Don't Breathe or another film that I really love called Wait Until Dark, an old Terrence Young film uh, with Audrey Hepburn uh, from the 60s. Deaf girl in a house with a guy trying to get in the house that she can't hear. That's all you need to know. It's it, it, There's shades of Halloween in it. It's a home invasion film. It's, it's cool. Check out Hush. Uh, a newer film... Not newer, but you know what I mean. A film that I added more recently to my list 
was the South Korean film The Wailing by Hong Jin. I'm gonna butcher his name, and it's I'm trying like I don't understand I don't know uh, how to pronounce most South Korean titles or names, um, but this film was fantastic. It's a little slow. It's very long, but I was mesmerized by it. Um, it's also very uniquely Korean because I didn't get everything. I didn't understand some of the the issues going on within. And I don't think that hurt it. It just it was kind of refreshing to see something different. There is a Japanese character in the movie that everyone in this town seems to hate. And it turns out that is more of a, a Korean thing where there's this, this dislike, I guess, for Japanese. I am... I'm just reading context clues here and uh, a little bit of research I've done, so I'm not making any any judgments or whatnot. I'm just going by what I know. Uh, and it's it's a possession film, but not in the way that you expect. It's it's not like the the South Korean Exorcist. It is it's part it's it's part murder mystery. It's part Exorcist film. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's just really hard to explain what I loved about the whaling, but there's just, I don't know. Something about, uh, international horror has been really interesting to me. I want to say a year, maybe two years ago, I put, uh, another, in, uh, another foreign film on my list called Big Bad Wolves that I kind of went into knowing nothing. And once again, there was like these, um, these international thing uh, elements that I didn't get, but um, made the film more fascinating. So the whaling—it's currently on Netflix, and I recommend it completely. I'm gonna start speeding through these a little bit more. Uh, the nice guys loved it. It's probably one of the funniest movies I saw this year. Shane Black. Uh, while I'm not huge on the Lethal Weapon series, I loved this movie so much. It, so much it makes me want to go back to the Lethal Weapon series. Uh, Ryan Gosling and uh, his co-host Kurt. No, sorry, Russell Crowe. I got Kurt Russell and Russell Crowe confused because they got Russell in their name. Ryan Gosling and Russell Crowe have some of the best chemistry of the year. Um, this movie was uh, is probably my number one of the year. It teetered for a little bit because of my love for another movie, but The Neon Demon, I think, is the best movie of the year. But at the same time, it's going to be the worst movie of the year for some people, and I, I get why. I understand why, but it met all the artsy-fartsy uh, shit criteria that I love that, you know, wow, I said that sentence weird. It met the criteria for a bunch of the artsy fartsy shit that I really dig, and I'm also biased. I I've, I have really loved most of almost everything I've seen by Nicholas Winding Refn, Winding Winding. I'm not sure. Um, I loved his films. I love his films. Um, so maybe I'm biased, but I don't know. I I it was one of the it was one of the most pure cinematic experiences i have this i've had this year uh peach dragon was blew me away i knew i was gonna like it because i loved david lowry's last film ain't them body saints but peach dragon blew me away because i don't have a huge emotional attachment to the original one and it added it added so much to it it felt like 
an old folk song come to life on screen. Kubo and the Two Strings was amazing. I knew I was going to really dig it because it was stop motion, but I didn't realize how great that story was going to be. La La Land, one of my more recent uh, movies I've seen. I loved it. It almost knocked the Neon Demon out of front place. Um, I'm not a huge fan of musicals. I grew up watching them with my mother. She really liked them. Um, But they didn't... It wasn't until I started getting older that they started clicking with me. And this movie really clicked with me. Now, never having seen Whiplash, which is uh, Damien Chazelle, I might be saying his name wrong, is his last film. I know he got a lot of attention for that. But La La Land uh, blew me away. It was, the, the songs were catchy. I will say the first, like... The first two songs in the movie, I, they they almost lost me. It was a little too cheesy for me, and I kind of rolled my eyes. And I was like, "Oh, it's gonna become it's gonna be one of those musicals." But um, by the time that uh, Ryan Gosling's character uh, Sebastian came onto screen, and we got his plight as an artist, and we started really digging deeper into Emma Stone's issues with being an actress, and then we got into their relationship, and just got to see how funny and weird and and really sweet both the characters can be. I fell in love with this movie. Chick flick or not, some people have been calling it a chick flick online. I've been seeing some really angry posts. They go, I'm not going to go see that chick flick. Fuck you. This movie was amazing. I It left me... It, at the end of it, I've... I don't know. I didn't know how to feel. I was happy. I was sad. I just knew I wanted to see it again. La La Land. It's been nominated for like 14 Academy Awards. I don't know if it necessarily deserves all that many nominations. Maybe nominations. I don't think it should win that many because there's. I haven't seen a lot of the Oscar films this year, but I hate when one film just, you know, sweeps the Oscars. Uh, I don't want to see that happen. As much as I love this film, I'd like to see some other films get some life. But La La Land, uh, I definitely loved. Next one by J.A. Bayona, Juan Antonio Bayona. I'm sorry if I'm saying his name wrong. Uh, a Monster Calls uh, was a movie that was a fucking gut punch of feels. Let me tell you, holy shit. I was not expecting to have cry three or four times due to the span of this movie. And I'm also willing to admit I'm an easy mark. Um, anything to do with the law, uh, with, uh, the, a parent being sick and the relationship between a son or, you know, daughter, son or daughter and their parent. Oh, just gets to me. It really does. You should have seen me when I saw how to train your dragon too. I was a wreck throughout that entire movie. This is another one. Little, not as bad as how to train your dragon too, but you know, still a, uh, a monster calls was, was fantastic. It was, it was, it had this great fairy tale aspect to it. It had um, um, it had great performances. It made you me. It made me laugh. It made me cry. All those you know cliched responses to a movie. Um, it was a sleeper hit. Not it didn't get as much attention probably because it came out right at the end of 2016. So it was a little harder for people to go out and see it. But a monster call is definitely worth your time. Edge of seventeen or the edge of seventeen. Um, was the closest thing I've got to a, a, a recent John Hughes movie since obviously the 80s and uh it was it was sweet 
it was really fucking funny. There's times I got really annoyed and pissed off with it, but not because it was a bad movie, but because I was riding the wavelength of the character. So when they got pissed off and annoyed, I got pissed off and annoyed. And when people made bad decisions, I got annoyed. Um, the producer, um, I believe it was James L. Brooks, best known for The Simpsons. He was the, the, the name that caught me. It's like, oh, I loved broadcast news, and he produced this. I want to go see it. Um, no, it was great. Um, I thought about that movie a lot more than I thought I was going to. I knew I was going to like it, but I didn't think it was going to resonate with, so much with me. Because I don't feel like it's a movie for young people today. That sounds dumb. I don't feel like it's for audience members who are 17, 18 in that age range. I feel like it's more for uh, us 20-somethings who who are who are reflecting back on their teenage years. That's kind of what I think. Cuz there's things that happen in this movie that I feel like wouldn't have made sense to me when I was 17. But they make more sense to me now looking back at what I was like when I was 17. And then, you know, a little movie that, you know, might some of you might not have seen. But uh, it's definitely worth checking out. Uh, Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I like this movie a lot. Uh, I liked it even better than A Force Awakens, which is an unpopular opinion as well. But the issues I had with Force Awakens, I feel like this movie does better. Uh, fixes. This movie fixes. That's a better way of saying that. Um, if I were to actually publish my list of like top 10, I don't know if it would make my 10. I don't know if it would make it in my 10. I don't know. I feel weird about putting movie up because I, I am such a Star Wars fanboy that it's it's almost too easy to put a Star Wars film in my top 10 of the year. So something like this, I wouldn't put it. Just like if I saw a really kick-ass superhero movie, I don't think I'd put that on my list either for a similar reason. So, uh, but I had to talk about it even just a little bit. Um, yeah, that's really it. I didn't excited. Like I didn't really come in prepared. I just kind of had a list on my phone, and I knew I wanted to put something up with Nick's absence uh, this week. And, you know, next week we're going to get back, or not next week, but next episode, episode six, we're going to get back onto schedule. Um, we're going to re record our episode about the Phantom Toll Booth and then move on to Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And we want to keep this going. Uh, I might reserve these solo episodes for when when life intervenes and we can't record an episode proper because it's very easy for me to just turn on a mic and ramble for a half hour. Um, maybe next time I'll bring a guest on. I will uh, have a topic to talk about, maybe spin some tunes on my digital record player. I don't know. Um, but yeah, this, you, you, this is not going to be the last time you've heard a solo episode by me. But um, thanks again for listening. Uh, I really appreciate the patience. Uh, I also appreciate if you've listened to this entire episode because you're probably very annoyed from hearing me talk i'm annoyed recording this because i'm very self-conscious about it and i feel like i'm talking too much um and i also don't feel like i had much insight in anything i talked about today but um i appreciate everyone who's been listening we haven't hit uh we haven't gotten a whole lot of views or not views we haven't got a whole lot of listeners but the the handful that we do i think roughly about 15 to 20 an episode means a lot to us because it's not easy to well, it's easy to just 
set up a microphone and record a podcast. It's really hard to continue on every week. Um, I keep telling myself, this is for me. This is for Nick. This is so I have an excuse to talk to him way more often than I used to. This is for us. And if people like to listen, that's fucking dope. That's gravy. I'm not doing this for the listeners. Eventually, I'd like to have some sort of fan base. But if we don't, if we never get it, it gives me an excuse to talk to one of my best friends that I never see on a weekly basis. So I think that's it for this uh, weird special edition of the Shameless Picture Show podcast. I am your host, Michael Byers. Have a great, have a great, have a great two weeks. I was going to say have a week, but then I realized I'm stealing another podcast quote this time from Kevin Smith. So have have a great two weeks, and we'll see you when we see you.